can find that key to let go and let God have his wonderful way. What, what key is that? Yep. As we come to the service this morning, I want us to realize the hour that we're living in. We're living in very perilous times. Today, Atlanta's on fire. Seattle is, you know, has some anarchists there sectioning off parts of the cities. There's trouble everywhere that we look. In the world, in our nation, everywhere. We also know that Brother Branham told us that he saw in a vision the binding of the serpent. And he was told, you're going to have to have a greater sincerity to do this. Well, we're living in the day where we're going to have to we're going to have to have the power. We cannot be a weak and powerless generation, but a people who knows their God, who does exploits. But you know, it all, sincerity begins with you, with your life, with you as a person, with you as an individual. For you putting God in the right place, making him first in your life. Because nothing else will, will work. I just looked here a moment ago and standing here was a father of a young lady, a young lady and a, her groom-to-be. Next weekend, we'll be having the wedding. But a bride and a groom cannot be in disagreement. They must be in love. They must be in harmony. And this is the way it must be with Christ and his bride. They must be of the same mind and of the same purpose, have the same attitude toward the promise. And I want you, as you worship the Lord this morning, just to turn your thoughts now to this. And I want you to say, I, I just want to let go of everything else around me. All the other troubles and problems, let the Holy Spirit deal with my life today in a very personal way. Amen. We have here people that are here for their first time since this has happened. And um, we have a wonderful couple right over here, Brother and Sister Hollis, that are, have blessed me by being here this morning. Look and see Jonathan and Susan here, able to come today. It's been on their heart. Well, I want to be in service. I know it's your desire too. But now we're here. Let's put everything we have into it. Let's not take it for granted. We never know when this will be our last service. So let go and let God have his wonderful way. Let go and let God have his way. Your sorrow will vanish. Your night turns to day. Let go and let God have his way. One more time to sing it to now. Let God have his wonderful 
Father, today as we bow before your throne of grace, we just want to say that we love you with all our hearts. And we're glad to be your children. We're glad, Lord, that we can come into your presence and know that you would never leave us or forsake us. But you'd be with us even in us to the end of the world. We're asking for your anointing today upon our lives. We're your children. We are the sheep of your pasture. Lord, we're just asking that you minister to us today. Just one word from you will mean more than what anybody could say. To be anointed and then to have anointed ears and hearts for it to fall upon. I pray, God, that we'll open our hearts to you and let you speak to us. Let the word be real to our hearts, Lord. Let it do something in our lives. Let it change us. May we not walk out of here the same but different. As we know, it's really impossible to be the same. We're going to be worse or better. Lord, we know God right here in our service today. There are those whose hearts needs to be touched. And only you can do it, Lord. Anything that we could say would just fall on mute ears. But if you deal with the heart... Lord, if you would knock upon the door, if you would speak to the soul, Lord, then we, we know there'd be a chance of it opening up. I pray, Lord, that you'll open it up for them, and not only them, but for our loved ones everywhere, Lord. There's moms and dads and brothers and sisters and, and grandparents that are crying out today, God, save my loved ones. Oh, God. Just hearing from the little Japanese group, Lord, and the struggles that they're having, and Lord, the, the desires that's in their heart, and they're even saying, Lord, would you just wait a little longer? And there's got to be more Japanese to reach. Lord, we don't know how much longer, and I can't ask you to wait any longer. No more than I could ask this couple to put off their wedding for another day. But Lord, Neither can I ask you to put off your coming another day. I know, Lord, that your heart is moved, wanting, Lord, to receive your bride, your people. I pray that our hearts will be moved toward you today, that we've moved toward you in a great, great way with great strides, leaving the world, leaving sin, leaving unbelief behind. Lord, I pray, God, you'll break through every barrier. Let the Holy Spirit reign supreme, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just let go and let God have his wonderful way. Let go and let God have his way. Turn to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 as we discover more about the scripture today and look into the word of God. We're going to be speaking on today the supernatural is the mind of Christ. Amen. Amen. 
Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you which also was, or was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God bless you. You can have your seats. As I said this morning, we're going to be speaking on the supernatural is the mind of Christ. And we have been speaking along the lines of faith and believing God and trusting him because we know that we are a people in this age and this time that is required to have a perfect faith. That faith must reach its perfection in a people. I think faith has never been given a square deal by the church. Yet it has given birth to all of man's greatest achievements. You have men like Sam Walton who had faith in the power of bulk purchases. And it made him millions and, and stores in every county across America and then even in, in across the world. You had a man by the name of Henry Ford who had faith in a low-priced automobile and that every man could afford and um, you see, this, this faith is what drove him to achieve. And faith is the greatest element in advanced civilization. As, as humans, we've, um, it is faith that gives birth to such achievements in the natural realm. So the believer's faith in the Father and his word, it also gives birth to spiritual achievements. And Brother Branham taught us that faith is like hyssop. It's everywhere. You know, it was like a common weed that they were told to apply the blood with. And it grew up in every crack everywhere you look. Actually, there is faith. There is common faith. There is mental faith. There is spiritual faith. There is all types of faith. And faith, we know, then comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So it's really important to hear God's word and to feed upon it. And if the Holy Ghost is in you, we know then the Word is in you and the power is in you and God's own ability is in you. I'm going to share this little quotation from the sermon Perseverance. He said, I believe the virtue is in Christ and Christ is the Word. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, the word itself comes back in the form of the Holy Spirit into us, and it's the word in you, God in you. So many wants to point uh, God to some mythical something way out away or so far away they overreach it. God is in you, the hope of glory, Christ, the mind of Christ in you. You're reaching plumb away from it, trying to get what has been given to you God in the human being. So we know then that every one of us then have been given a measure of faith. Faith is something that can grow. It can expand. It can, it can reach higher levels where that you can reach things and do things that you couldn't do without it. Um, Brother Branham said in, in um, Greater Than Solomon, he said, if I could get this audience with one accord... To see and know exactly that Jesus Christ 
is alive and here among you. He said, oh, you physically or mentally believe it. But when it can go beyond the mind till you know it, then something will happen when you can realize. And the only thing is to see Christ in our presence. Now, sometimes we're going to, and somewhere, somehow, we are going to have to get our heads on, on straight. As Satan's desire is to make this bride a weak and a powerless and a faithless people. And let me just say some things very, um, very direct this morning. Because Satan is, he has all but stripped the power out of the entire message movement. By shifting the emphasis from the supernatural power of God with signs and wonders to a head knowledge of the word. And this gives preachers and their congregants a sense of superior spirituality by having head knowledge of the message. Just an intellectual conception and their heads are in the clouds up there somewhere with all this superior knowledge and they don't know a thing about the supernatural experience with a supernatural God. Now, head knowledge and intellectual conceptions is not the mind of Christ. The supernatural is the mind of Christ. But we have the word, and and the insinuation is then that healing and miracles and signs and wonders and gifts of the Spirit and leadership of the Holy Ghost is is not needed. And, And I just want to say, so said the backslidden church down through the ages. And you, you cannot have the true word without the supernatural. Amen. It is impossible. Amen. And I, and I want you to say we are not sign seekers. And we are not to be sign seekers. We are seekers, however. We seek his life. How many this morning would say, I'm a seeker. And I'm seeking his life. Because with his life comes everything else. Now, there are sign seekers. They want signs for their entertainment. And we know that happened even in Brother Brandon's ministry. People flock just to see and be entertained by um, a blind eye coming open or the deaf hearing or, or some miraculous to be done. It was almost like a magic show. You know, they want signs to show. There are, there are others that want signs to show their greatness. And, and for attraction or, or wealth or the popularity that it would bring. This is why that God can't trust many people. We, we have spiritual gifts is because they take it and make of it something that's not intended. And, and they're, like, um, they're like Simon the sorcerer who wanted to buy the gift or the secret to lay it on her hands. Where the people were empowered by the Holy Ghost and... But, but I want you to say, you know, the bride of Christ is not a gold digger. She reunites to him because of his love. Amen. She wants his life, his word, his love, his power, and all that he is. Amen. Our reason for expecting the signs to follow them that believe is not for our ego or for our pride. It's not to set us apart as a special people or a different people or somebody with mystic power. 
Yeah, we have seen the gold digging and the, and the gold diggers, the, the uh, healing evangelists. And we've seen the gold digging denominations with their wealth. Amen. Yes, we've seen the gold digging preachers who strung along a congregation who was attracted to them for promises of gold and God's blessings and for prosperity. But that's not who the bride is. She loves him and wants to see his life and all that he is manifested through her. Amen. Amen. It's not even for our vindication. Amen. Amen. It is because Jesus gave us that commission to heal the sick, cast out devils, freely give as we freely received. And, And if we're not going, if we're not doing it, we are not his church. Amen. Signs will automatically follow true doctrine. I don't know how we got it that if we got true doctrines, we don't have signs. Amen. But if we got true doctrines, there's going to be signs followed. Amen. Amen. So, well, you know, Brother Tim, though, the, the uh, Azusa movement, we, we had gifts and healings and miracles and yet all kinds of era of doctrine. That's right. But you can't have true doctrine without the supernatural. Amen. Without, without gifts, without healing, without miracles. It is impossible to have true doctrine and not have it. Are you with me? Well, buddy, though, Brother Tim, we, we got something greater. We got the seals. The opening of the seals opened up the book and all of its promises. It did not take away the promises. It opens up the whole land with every divine promise there is. Come on. Well, you know, Brother Tim, I tell you, I've seen it where the Holy Spirit was moving and one side of the congregation was in unison saying, open up your gates and, and, the, and the King of Glory should come in and the other side answers and said, well, who is this King of Glory? The Lord mighty in battle. But we had error, Brother Tim. We didn't have the pure word. Well, I just say, why can't we have both? Amen. Why, why can't we have both? Why can't we have the Word and the Spirit? Amen. Why do we have to forfeit one for the other? And why do we have to favor one over the other? Come on. Amen. We can have both. We can have the Word and the Spirit. We can have everything the Bible said we can have. Come on. And I, I want to just say then, and also again, why do we keep emphasizing the mockery of it? The false, the wrong. Brother Bradham told us in the sermon Christ, he said, you say, I can't believe in divine healing. I can't believe in the miraculous. Oh, I've seen this. And, and you know, you can just go into what we've seen. Oh, We got a lot of mockery, but we got the real Holy Spirit too. And that's right. Why is there so much mockery on that side? Why is there so much on that side? Where does the clubs lay in an apple orchard under the best tree? That's right. You've got to have a a counterfeit. And then if there is no counterfeit, then then what you're looking at is a counterfeit. But if there's a copy, somebody is trying to make it like, like it, and, and that proves there's a real one, just open up your mind one time and let 
and think a little while for yourself and don't take so many people's other, other people's word for it. Take God's word for it. And again, I want to say, why do we have to keep emphasizing the mockery? It ain't like we got a problem that we're just so overrun with miracles and signs and wonders and whatever else and we got too many of them, we need to cut back on it. Hello? Amen. Yeah, there's a mockery to speaking in tongues. And it has been emphasized until nobody wants to speak in tongues. Amen. You know, we're, we're beyond that, Brother Tim. Well, how did you get beyond the Word? That's what I want to know. How do we get beyond the Word? This is the Word. Amen. Even, even the signs follow them that believe. They shall speak with new tongues. Is that right? There's a mockery of false prophets or our healings has been emphasized until true prophecies and healings are not wanted. Amen. And this has produced a culture of unbelief and a rejection of the full word. Where we're favoring, you know, some great intellectual knowledge over the supernatural realm. Oh, and I can already hear them saying, oh, but you better be careful. There's anointed ones at the end time, and I just want to remind you, yep, we're one of them. Amen. Amen. We sure are because there's a bride who is the anointed one for this day. She is anointed to fulfill the Old Testament even as Christ the groom fulfilled the Old Testament. So there is an anointed one at the end time. And the rain, let me remind you, was not sent for the tear. The rain was sent for the wheat. God poured out the Holy Spirit not for the tear out here. God poured out the Holy Spirit to bring a wheat into maturity. So you want to say, you want to hold behind us on a flag and say, don't you know tares are over here shouting and rejoicing because of the rain? Well, the only reason they got rain is because rain has been poured out on the wheat. So why don't you just point out the anointed false ones? Why don't we have to, why don't we come to the realization the true must be anointed? Wouldn't you, but Brother Tim, wouldn't you rather have love than miracles and signs and wonders because miracles and signs and wonders can be impersonated? Well, so can love. Did we forget that? You know, so can all the fruits of the Spirit. Well, but, but you know, brother, brother Tim, it'll just see the very elect if it were possible with all of these signs and line signs and wonders and all of that. And so we don't want to have anything to do with this. Well, you better not have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. Is that right? Because Brother Branham used the kind old priest and showed that he had more of that than Jesus did. Impersonation. It's an age of impersonation. But that doesn't mean that the real can't be manifested. Amen. So again, again, fruits of the Spirit can be impersonated as much as emotions are miracles. 
So I asked for, for a little bit of the same, same uh, time, you know, given to preaching against the fruits as preaching against miracles. Hello. Don't hang up on me. That confused you, I know. I just say, give equal time. Amen. Again, you know, again, I, I want to just ask you, why can't we have both? I want to say we must have both. We can't just be a fruitless people without the fruits of the Holy Spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, patience, and all of that against such there is no law. We can't just have that and not have the other. The working of the supernatural, a supernatural God among us. We got to have the supernatural at the altar. We got to have the supernatural in the pew. We got to have the supernatural in the pulpit. So why are we forced to make a choice? Why do we have to settle for something less than the full gospel? How many would say today, I want the full gospel? I want everything God promised. I'm not taking anything out of the book. I want the whole land. I'm not giving any of it up to the enemy. He gave me the land and I want it all. Amen. We want everything from the negative to the Jordan. We want everything and every promise. We want, we want every, every promise that God made. We want it to be ours. We're not going to let the devil come along and, and, and fence a portion off of it and say, stay out of here. It's our land. Now, again, I wanted to share with you, brother, uh, you know, the other side just for a moment. In Christ the mystery Brother Branham said, if a man says he is born again and he tries to place these promises of Christ in the last day to some other age, making him Christ yesterday but not today, then that man or that person has been in a delusion by Satan. And if that man says he believes that and it doesn't manifest through him, Jesus said in Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe. Into all the world, into every age, casting out devils, speaking with tongues, and all these great manifestations of gifts that would follow, that they shall, not they may be, they ought to, they will, and heavens and earth will pass away, but his word won't. Amen. Again, just another one here from the Easter seal, and I could have read, I could stand here the whole service. And, and just read one after another, but we're just going to take a couple here because and, and, I'm going to show you where Brother Branham stood on this. In the Easter seal, he said, I was listening to a radio program on KAIR down in Tucson. This minister had taken his side against us that the Pentecostal religion was nothing but just a sham. Not to listen to it. It was unstable. said, anyone that spoke, any man that spoke in tongues and these things, and claimed to be healed the sick and so forth by prayer that there was to leave away from and to pray for those poor, decrepit people because they were all in an illusion that there was something wrong with them. And he said, oh, how I would have liked to have talked to that brother just a while. And he said that that was only given for the apostles at the day of Pentecost. And that was, that was all. And I find, he said, 30 years later, Paul was ordaining these gifts 
in the church. In 1 Corinthians 15, he set the church in the church. The gift of speaking in tongues, miracles, and all these other gifts was set in the church. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How far? All the world. Who to? Every creature. And they have never received it yet. Amen. And these signs shall follow them that believe. How long? All the world. Who to? Every creature. Amen. These signs shall follow them in my name. They shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues. If they take up deadly things or serpents or drink a deadly thing, it would not harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That was the last commission to the church, Mark 16 chapter. And Paul is ordaining these gifts into the church 30 years later. And Galatians 1.8 said, if an angel from heaven preaches to you any other gospel, than this which is already received. See, already been preached. Let, it be, let him be accursed. And I believe that Pentecost began without ending. I believe it's to be to every creature, all times, to all places. That Pentecost should always remain. The Pentecost of blessings should be upon the people. Amen. Amen. Now, so this is really, really important. Because the mind of Christ is the supernatural. It's not an intellectual conception. Again, see the discrepancy. And I've always, I've always loved this quotation. When a man stands and says he's a gospel preacher, and he says the days of miracles is past, that's the seed of discrepancy. When a man stands and says he's a minister, a pastor of a church or somewhere, that, and he does not believe that Jesus Christ is the same in every detail except the physical body, same yesterday, today, and forever. That's seed of discrepancy. When he says that miracles in apostolic age is past, that's seed of discrepancy. And when they say there's no such thing as divine healing, that's seed of discrepancy. And the world is full of it, and it crowds out, and it chokes out the wheat. Amen. I've got some more things to share on that choking here in just a moment. But I want you to understand these things that are being said, it chokes out the wheat. Now, we must fulfill the Great Commission. Jesus could not tell us to preach the gospel in all the world. And now we've had seven church ages. And we only come back to the last age where the true gospel is restored again. How many understands that? Amen. We are in a day of restoration. Luther didn't have it. Wesley didn't have it. Down to the ages, they, they left the true gospel. They left the correct baptism, the correct Godhead, the original sin, predestination, the security of the believer. More and more and more. We can just go down the line of what they left. Is that right? But we're in the hour of restoration. Amen. And so God would have to restore the original gospel back again. The original word that fell on the day of Pentecost. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Now this is important because Jesus said this gospel must be preached into all the world and then the end can come. How many wants the end to come? Then the gospel must be preached. What? This gospel. Not Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic, it's this gospel. The original.
original gospel, the word in power must be preached into all the world so the end can come. Amen. Brother Branham was clear. He said preaching is not teaching. He said it is demonstrating the gospel. And the gospel must be preached, demonstrated. In the sermon Christ, Brother Branham said, you're not using your own thoughts. You're using his thoughts. Let the mind that was in Christ be in you. See, they think his way of thinking. Say what he says. Confession means to say the same thing. Confess is to confess the same thing. Say the same thing. Then, then don't confess your own mental conception. Be born again and confess his word. Amen. Amen. Confess what he said. That's confession. By his stripes I was healed. Say, by his stripes I have a right. By his wounds right now I have a right for salvation. Amen. I have a right for the Holy Spirit. He promised it to me. He said, it's for you and your children and them that is afar off and as many as the Lord our God shall call. I believe it. He said, it's it's for any generation. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. He died that he might raise again and be with his church all the way to the end of the world to confirm the word with signs following. How far was it to be? Go ye, didn't end it with the apostles, Mark 16, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. It's never met there yet, just about a third of it. God is depending on us. So it's on our shoulders, amen, to preach a full gospel and to demonstrate what is written in the word, to manifest what has been promised. Amen. Now, you know, Brother Branham said some very shocking things in Shreveport, Louisiana when he was there at Jack Morse Tabernacle because he just flat out told them, he said, we know the modern church in its present condition and present state is in no condition to finish up the Great Commission that God gave the church for this day. And he said, how many Pentecostals can say amen to that? And I'm pretty sure they were mum. Now he said the Pentecostal, we know the church could not, the Pentecostal church, by no means, by no means could carry out the last day message in its present condition. Could it? Why? It can't even agree on one or two words in the Bible. Well, how are you going to get it to, going to do it? It can't do it. So you see, denomination is out. It's going to be an elected people that is elected for it. And I want to say, I believe we are that elected people. Amen. He said, we know the church in that condition could not finish up in the last day. How could it bring in Malachi 4? Amen. And you've got to have Malachi 4. You've got to have a prophet to whom the word the Lord comes to in order to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers, to bring the restoration that is needed. Amen. So he said, how could it believe and bring in St. Luke 17, 30? Amen. How could it bring in all these other scriptures that's promised in the last day? It couldn't do it because it denies it. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall they be in the coming of the Son of Man. Finish up the Great Commission, he says. How could they do it? We know they're dead. God let it die in this scientific age. After all, so what? So he could do what? 
open up the seventh seal mystery to the undenominational bride. When it's absolutely contrary to denominational thinking, serpent seed, all these other things, the whole seven mysteries is contrary to what they've been taught because they took, it, took the old school from their Bible school. But you know, we didn't get it from a Bible school. But about that time, Amen. When I was about to make a horrible mistake, when I was going to go back to the old schools and the books and the things and say what they said about that time, he came in the room and he changed my thinking. Amen. Now God opened the seven seals to reveal the mysteries of the book so that we could go forth with a full gospel to finish the great commission. I want you to keep that in mind. We are the finished race. There's none coming after us. We are the last generation. Well, look, look, you can see diseases are coming in. They don't know what to do with. Shutting down the world, shutting down their economies. Riots that are taking place that they don't even have. They don't even have the backbone to stop. There's no cheats in the law. There's no, there's no, there, and, and it isn't even the law. It's the moral fiber of the country has gone down. And the United States as well as the world has been invaded by demons. And homes are not set on the Bible anymore. Amen. But they're set on the popular thinking of the world. And Satan has given his mind, the mind of the beast. To the world we're living in. You've never seen it where in just a generation we have changed the whole thinking of people. The whole morals of people. And we did it with television and songs and movies. We put in a homosexual agenda in our movies. We took, we took and made mockeries out of dads. Come on. Amen. We took and made, we took and made mockery out of a homemaker with, with uh, we love Lucy. Amen. Made her look like a stupid idiot. Come on. We started systematically destroying the fiber of the family and the morals of the home. And the church has not stood against it. And worldliness is coming to the church. And it's allowed the mind and the thinking of Satan to take preeminence over the word of God. And I'm just going to say it. Sermons like God of this evil age and Satan's Eden and some of the, you know, the flashing red lights of the sign of his coming, they wouldn't be welcome. In many places today, many homes, it's a foreign voice. It's so archaic. It's so out of step. It's so, oh God, help me to stay out of step with the world. Help me, Lord, to walk with you. Help me, Lord, not to take on their mind. Help me, Lord, to keep the right mind. Amen. But it's coming in. It comes into the home. It comes into our thinking. Listen to you, 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 sometimes uh, we, we are asleep as to what is going on in our nation and our world, but 
You know, we, we've set our colleges and our schools full of curriculums and, and teachers who are teaching a liberal agenda, who are destroying and undermining the very fibers of the home. Amen. And they're set their full to they've poisoned a whole generation of people. And they've changed the minds of people to a godless society. And if you're not careful, it'll do the same thing in your life. And it takes the woman and takes her out of her place in the home and as a mother and the value of motherhood and puts her there where she is nothing and a nobody unless she's a career girl. And now the woman, even in message homes, has more authority and more, more dominion than, than, the, than the man who the Bible said is the head of the house. Amen. Then our dress and our styles and everything else goes to be patterned with what's acceptable out there and what looks chic and cool and hot. Amen. It's the truth. This is where we are in this day. Amen. It's where there's on sex and violence and people are being fed a whole belly full of it. Because, and they are, they are, they are taking this in and digesting it and it comes in their mind and it permeates their, and controls their thinking. But I want you to know there's a supernatural coming down. There is a real Holy Ghost that'll give you a sane thinking in an insane world. We need the supernatural more than we've ever needed it. We need to know a supernatural God, a supernatural power that will change our lives in a supernatural way. The five identifications are definite identifications of the true church. Brother Branham identified what a true church would be. <laughs> and he said, and you that don't believe in divine healing, you churches, this is tape, you understand? I'm not only talking to you, somebody else is going to hear it. You churches claim that you believe in God and believe in the commission that your church is commissioned to take the gospel. And the very first thing is divine healing. What was, the very, what was the first thing Jesus told his disciples when he sent them out? Now, listen, you, you, know, you can look at me like I'm strange this morning, but actually divine healing has been ostracized and put down. We're in a day, well, we got medicines and we got doctors and we believe in them. Amen. We're not, we're not coming down on doctors and medicine, but I want to tell you something, church. God was before medicine. And his healing was, more, was before all of this Laodicean age. Amen. And we, we're going to have to, if we can't believe in divine healing, how are we going to believe for a rapture? Amen. As Brother Brandon would say over and again, if I can't get you to believe even for divine healing, how am I going to get you to believe for the change of your body? We won't believe that God can just heal part. How could you believe God to heal the whole? Amen. No. 
What was the first thing Jesus told his disciples when he sent them out? Heal the sick, cast out devils. What was the last thing he said to his church? Heal the sick, cast out devils. Amen. Amen. Alpha and Omega, Benjamin and Reuben, first and last, he that was, which is, and shall come, the morning star, the root, the offspring of David, hallelujah, that's him. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. Just at Jerusalem, to all the world, to every creature. Is that the Bible? That's what it said. That is the message of the church. All the world, every creature, the gospel, to everyone that believes, these signs shall follow. Amen. That's the message of the church. In my name, they shall cast out devils. Let me tell you something. Salvation is casting out devils. Nobody can get saved till the devil's cast out. Now, the cast out may not be an exorcism in that way where we're screaming and yelling, devil come out, but it's the same thing. You've got to, you've got to dethrone the devil in your life. Amen. All the cigarettes and the, all the, the dope and all the sin and the habits of the world have got to go. Amen. It's, you've got to die to that, and that's got to be cast out of your life, and you have victory over it. Amen. You're not going to be the same old thing, same as you was. Your life is going to be different. You'll tally up to the word. Now, so that's the message of the church. That's what he commanded the church to do, to cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink a deadly thing, it'll not harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. That's the commission of the church. That is the real believing church. Is that taught in the Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterian, Catholic, Lutheran, Nazarene, Pilgrim Holiness? No, sir, they deny it. Why? They're organized and they can't do it. There's many a member in there that believes that, but he can't say anything about it because he'd be excommunicated. That's the Antichrist spirit that's got them organized. You see, it bound them down, it chokes it out. The church of the living God is freeborn of the spirit. It don't need any denomination that follow the king of the messianic kingdom. They don't have to, they don't have to take the people's things. They're freeborn. They're made free by the son who makes them free indeed. These signs shall follow them. Now, it goes on and he says, now another thing the church will teach will be divine healing. He's emphasizing the message of the church. Wait a minute. Brother Tim, uh, divine healing, it's a minor. It's the message of the church. Now, it's only a minor when compared to salvation, which is healing of the soul, healing of the body comes secondary. But it's not a minor when it comes to the Bible and Jesus' ministry or the prophet's ministry or the bride's ministry. But we have de-emphasized it. We don't need it. You know, I, I mean, I've personally been in a place where, where the, you know, they, they uh, I preach and they say, well, we're going to have a prayer line. Because some of you, you know, you can't have faith enough to receive it out there, so we'll get up here and let your hands laid on you. So he, you know, goes on for about 15 minutes of why, why you're faithless if you come in a prayer line. And finally, they called the prayer line. I was surprised anybody came after that, but they did. 
And then when I, you were there. And, and then when, when, when we went to pray for the sick, you know, you know, oh no, just lay hands on them, you know, no, no, no excitement, no, no, uh, no earnest prayers, like they just lay hands on them, pass them by, pass them by. And the guy stood right there and, and just shoved them right through, just like cattle going through an auction. That was in a message church. Now, but this church will teach divine healing, the message of the church. I just quoted, he said, Matthew 10, 1. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. A church who is not casting out devils is not a God-called church. Amen. The first, that was his first commission to the church. The last commission was go into all the world, preach the gospel to every nation and demonstrate the power of the Holy Ghost. He that believeth on this is baptized shall be saved. He that denies it will be damned. These signs will follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. They will cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. And this will be the signs that will follow. And the last verse says, and they returned and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. That's the way the first church was. And Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And if a branch brings forth a vine, then that vine, and that vine bears grapes, then the next branch comes forth, it'll bear just like the first branch did. He said, but Brother Branham, we look at all of these churches, he says, those are grafted vines. You can grab citrus fruit, you can take an orange tree and put a lemon on it, and it'll grow. That's what the man grafted in. And these organizations, what man grafted in, it's a lemon all the time. It'll grow because it's stuck out in the church's name. But let me tell you, if that tree ever puts forth another branch, it'll bear an orange. And if the power of God ever puts forth another church, it'll be another Pentecost. And another book of Acts will be wrote behind it because it is the church of God. Hallelujah. Amen. How many believes that? We're in the day where of the tree, amen, the vine, Christ has put forth another branch. Yeah. Hallelujah. Then she's going to be a fruit-bearing branch. Yeah. Amen. She'll write another book of Acts behind it. Not the Acts of wicked men, but the Acts of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. That's why Brother Branham said we're trying to get the church. This is perfect faith, trying to get the church. I wonder if we could just try to get the church into a place where we could really see apostolic times moving among us. That's what we all hunger. And it's just laying right at the door. See, we, want, we see it, but we want to see more of it. We want it to flow, such a flow that it'll be a help to us and us flow out to others. Amen. So these apostolic times are not the repeat of the turmoil and strife found in the book of Acts. Those were the acts of carnal men. The the apostolic times that are promised are the result of the original vine putting forth another branch from himself 
and the Holy Spirit acting in the believer as he did back then. Of course, we can look in the book of Acts and we can see carnality. We can see divisions. We can see strife. And we, and, but let me tell you, that's not what was promised to be restored. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit that's what's promised to be restored. Somebody with me? Amen. So again, and does God change his mind? He says, we're missing the power we ought to have. Where the big machine ought to be up running and great signs and wonders. Well, this building ought to be setting so full of the power of God now till a sinner couldn't stay in here. The Holy Spirit condemning it right quickly like Ananias and Sapphira. And he said, we're missing something. Amen. In the message communion, the last sermon Brother Branham would preach. He said, you know, the hour will soon arise when right among us will be the Holy Spirit will speak out like it did with an Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, the hour is arriving. And now you just remember that. See, God is going to dwell among his people. That's what he wants to do now. Amen. And we need to become that kind of a church. Amen. I'm not so much... I'm not so much interested in striking people dead. I want to see sin struck dead. Unbelief struck dead. I want to see life working in the body. Amen. Instead of tearing for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, this is God of this evil age. Again, one of his last sermons. Instead of tearing for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Let science prove to her the Holy Ghost was only for the disciples. Instead of keeping divine healing going when she ought to be now raising the dead and doing great miracles, she has let Satan under his leadership, a religious man, take the word of God and try to say it was for another age. And she's believed it. Now, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And it's not the vine that bears fruit. It's the branches that are to bear fruit. But I want you to look at the fruit. We're seeing denominational fruit on the vine. Why is this? You know, again, because every kind of other thing has been grafted into it. We haven't kept the message pure. Amen. But every kind of thing has been grafted in. Listen, Brother Branham said, you know, again, if the power of God ever puts forth another church, it'll be another Pentecost. Another book of Acts will be wrote behind it because it's the church of God. Amen. Now, so now we might ask, how will we know it's God's mind? How we know, will we know it's God? We'll know him by his nature. Amen. We'll know him by his works. Amen. No, no, we won't be a bunch of shouting emotional people and no life to go with it. No, we will not be a bunch of signs and wonders and, and, and no, no forgiveness and no love and, and no power of, of grace. No, it won't be this. It'll be a full gospel. Not just a part. Are you with me? 
Amen. If the church that come off of that vine was a Pentecostal church with all the gifts, if that ever really puts out another branch, they'll write another book of Acts behind it. That's what they had in the days of the apostle and the apostolic age never ended. Now, let's go from there. Let's talk about the mind for a moment. There's a sermon that I think you ought to pour over, just really pour over, a couple of them actually. One of them's Word Made Flesh in India Trip, and the other's the Fundamental Foundation for Faith. And man, it'd be good to, to go over them and really study them. So he says, now if we could completely throw ourselves to God and to his will, and be lost to our own thoughts, and let the mind of Christ be in us, then the same operations of the Spirit would work through us just as natural things does. Because we were first created for that purpose to control, to rule, and to praise God and live for God. Amen. You know, the word dominion has almost been lost from the church. God made you to have dominion. That's what he was giving you. He said, these signs will follow them that believe. I give you dominion over devils. I give you dominion over unclean spirits. I give you dominion over sickness, diseases. I've given you dominion. Now, Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You can ask what you will. It shall be done for you. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, he said, the Father and his word is inseparable because the word is the son. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God and his word is inseparable. You cannot have God without having his word. And when you have his word, you have God. Amen. Now, he said, if you want to look a little further, as far as back a little further, as uh, historical, you could see the word. In the beginning was the word, but what, what, what is the word? A word is a thought manifested, a thought spoken forth. God first perceived the thought, and he spoke it. And it became a word, and the word became material. So everything that God has spoken as word, received in the right channel, will materialize that word for whatever promise that is behind it. God will do it. He's obligated to do it. Amen. Amen. Now then, that's, that's where we want to come. This is what we were singing the song a, a moment ago. We want him to have his way in our life. We want to be the channel, become a channel, a cleaned out channel. Amen. Where we're not stopped up, but where the word can flow through us. Where healing can flow and deliverance can flow. Listen, you need peace to flow even in your own home, in your own situation. Be able to change atmosphere. You need salvation for your children. And we need it in the church. Becoming a channel the Holy Spirit can move through. So he says, and then if you abide in me, my word abide in you, then you have God, the word in you, and you believe, and the word 
uh, just as you believe God, you believe the word just as you believe God because it is, it is God and it's inseparable. Then if you have God's word in you, you have God's life in you, you have God in you, and whatever God's word speaks forth out of you, it'll have to come to pass just like it was spoke from God. Those are incredible words. Oh, yeah. So then we must get in the right channel. We must get in the right channel. God's ordained the bride to be in this position. Amen. You are here for such a time as this. When all the rest of the world is going insane. And you can see the insanity coming upon the world. Amen. And it's all happening everywhere that you look. That in that moment, in that time, there's got to be a bride with the mind of Christ who knows what he wants done with his word. Now, Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father, in my name, that will I do. Did you re ever realize what that means? You realize if we go before God in the name of Jesus, it's just the same as Jesus himself praying. It isn't me praying anymore. If I come in his name and he recognizes his name, Jesus said, ask the Father in my name that I will do. And then I go to the Father in Jesus' name. It isn't me praying anymore. It's Jesus. It's his spirit praying through me. And then I've got to receive what I've asked for because he said it and it's God's own word and it can do nothing else but just produce what it said. Amen. Now, man was originally made to walk in the mind of God. He didn't use his own thinking about things. He worked by the mind of God. The realm of faith was real to him. It was not an elusive, darkened knowledge. I'd like you to turn with me to Ephesians 4 and 8 because Paul talks about us when we were sinners. He said, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of Christ through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So you can see their understanding is darkened being alienated from the life of God to the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's the way we were born. That's why that when you're born again, it has to be a faith, and faith gives you a vision, the ability to see God's word and his promises. Amen? Now, the Bible speaks of the condition of the sinful um, mind as a corrupt mind. A mind that is blinded by the God of this world. But that's not the way it was with Adam. When it was in the hands of Adam, Adam was a channel to whom the word could work through. Amen. He never had to be sick. He never had to die. He never had to worry. You know, he never had a heartache. He never had a fear. He just climbed up in the arms of his father and was just like a child. Everything was his. Everything obeyed him because he was God's child. And a child is the heir of all things, right? And when man fell, he lost this. But, and now when he, when he, what he lost in the fall, Christ came as a redeemer. I want you to know Jesus bought back everything that man lost. So therefore, through the new birth, you have the ability to be led as Adam was and be a channel to work the will of God through. 
Amen. Now, so God came there to bring us back to fellowship and relationship with God to be his sons and his daughters. And he came to restore back everything that Adam lost in the fall. Through redemption, he offers you a renewed mind. That your mind could be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. So we're, we're invited then to be molded into his image. Not to take on the image of the beast. Of what the world is now taking on the image of. Why is all this violence and hate and all this stuff? Because they are taken and manifest in the image of the beast itself, of the depravity of man. Why is there fatherless homes? Why is there motherless homes? Come on. Why is there marriage and divorce and remarriage and all this other stuff that is going on today? Amen. It's because that man has left God. But where God offers through redemption for you to take on his mind. And then you'll think differently. You'll think differently about everything from drugs to alcohol to the way you dress, the way you talk. Amen. Even your attitude about the Bible, whether, whether it's relative or not. Everything will change when you take on the mind of God. Amen. Now, so you're invited to come into his image and take on his image. I want to stress it to you. Remember, the bride he will marry will be in his image. She will be of his species. She will be of his kind. She will be bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh and life of his life and power of his power. She is him. Now, so then when we let his character be in us, then we become his sons, having the mind of Christ. And that because your mind makes your character. It molds the character of a son. Now, again, in the fundamental foundations of faith, Brother Branham said, now the thing of it is, since he restored man back to his place, now since redemption, man in the fall lost his conscience of what the Father put him on earth to do. And that's the whole thing. You lost your conscience of why you're here. We are not here to be uh, anarchists. We're not here to be caught up in the world movements. We are not here to be caught up in and even trying to fix society. That is not our message. Amen. And it's the wrong message if that's what's being preached. That's what Brother Branham was dealing with. It wasn't that that he disagreed with Martin Luther on how, Martin Luther King on how people were treated. They were mistreated. But he was saying that you can never really get social justice by passing laws. The only thing that will bring it is by baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then nobody's big and nobody's little. And then we're of all of one race and that's the God race. 
and that, that way nobody, this ain't important and this is important. We're all important because we're all God's children. And when we preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the power of God and the supernatural and people get born again, it takes our prejudice out of your life. It takes out the big idea, big you, big me and little you. That's why Brother Bradham would often say the calico dress can hug with the silk one. Amen. Call him sister. Amen. The overall can hug, you know, the man in the tuxedo because, and say brother, because there's no difference. We all become of one class. That's the God class. Amen. But you see, but again, uh, again, as we're talking about this, man fell in the fall, lost conscience of what the Father put us on earth to do. I wonder sometimes if we miss even, you know what, the bride is supposed to do. Well, what are we to be in this age and this time? What kind of people are we to be? Are you with me? Amen. So again, we, we uh, he says, uh, in other words, and he explained this way, all the plumbing, all the plumbing, as it was in our brains, the outlet, the faith has been clogged up with business affair, with home life, with domestic things. It's all become so clogged up until God can't operate through those channels that he made man for. He made you for something different than just living here and making a life here in in Laodicea. God made you to be a son or a daughter of God. Amen. To take dominion over sin, over unrighteousness, over sickness, over disease. Are you with me, church? Amen. But we have let our channels become clogged through the fall, you know, our, our, our thoughts are set on self-perseverance or self-perservation, I mean. And we're going to preserve ourselves and we're going to do this and we're going to try that. And, and, and we're worried about all of the life's affairs until we forget why we are here. Why are we here? Until God can't operate through those channels. The channel is clogged where God can't operate through. That's what the message came for. Was to open up our hearts to the full word of God. Amen. Dr. Moses, Brother Bradham said it this way. He said, you know, what I begin to believe, Christian friend, that we're living in the beginning of the greatest time that the world has ever witnessed. Now, he was back there in 55 when he said that. That was a year after I was born. But he says, we're living in the beginning of the greatest time the world has ever witnessed. And I just believe that all the lines are getting unclogged. You know, clogged up with all kinds of doctrines, theologies, all kinds of stuff, unbelief. It's been handed down from generation to generation. Oh, there's no such thing as healing. Days of miracles are past, and we just automatically believe it. 
Hmm. It says in getting in the spirit, he said, he said, um, um, you know, he's talking about making those valleys full of ditches. It's a, it's a story of the Bible in the days of Elisha where he, he was told, you know, where they didn't have water. So, well, you know, dig valleys full of ditches. He said about daylight, they began to notice. The waters came and they didn't know where it came from. It was there all the time. They had just clogged it up. And he said, there's power in the church. I can tell you and I can tell any minister, I can show you where God gave the church power to heal the sick, cast out devils, all these things. And now you come and put your finger on the scripture where Jesus said, now I take it back away from the church. But what he said, what's happened? What's the matter? You got it clogged up. Your own self-made ideas of it has clogged it up. Amen. I can tell you where Jesus promised in the last day and show you that these signs that you've seen done, that the Spirit of God would come into the church and show, and show visions and, and so forth like that as he's doing. And you try to disprove it one time and find out where you're at. Amen. He talks about the Queen of Sheba, how that she was a seeker. She came from a far country seeking. Her real faith had set her heart to see whether, whether or not what she was hearing was the truth. She was determined. He said, if the rumor of this meeting, because she'd heard a rumor, and she comes from way from the Far East to the meeting, he said, if the rumor of this meeting in Indianapolis had only a set up a, crea- a creation of people to come and see whether this bunch of people has the real Holy Spirit or not, Amen. To see whether there's such thing as a baptism of the Spirit. And they would have done it if they hadn't choked their life out with some church creed or some worldly amusement. But I have to believe there's some seekers somewhere that says, I don't want my life choked out. Amen. And I'm not going to do it with worldly music or some creed or, or some theology, but I'm going to believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm going to become a channel that the word can flow through. Hallelujah. And writing on the wall, he said, the vine of formalism is growing around the church and choking the spiritual life out of the church. So God sent in the sickle and the grubbing hole and cut all the weeds that choking out the church. Amen. Amen. All, all the great spiritual blessings of the church that deserve, it deserves it, that Jesus died for, that it might receive maybe a hundredfold tonight of a great shower of his blessings upon the people. Now, I'd say this is the way we ought to be. God make us a place where that a rumor goes out. Amen. There's a real healer in the church. Amen. That church isn't barren, but that church has life in it. There's a power laying in that church. In those people, there are people that believe. Amen. That preach that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they practice it. Are praying people. Of people that's calling on God. Amen. People that are more interested in his presence. Amen. They're worried about where they're sitting in the church. They just want his presence. They want his power. They want him to move in the church. 
a people who's calling on God. Lord, change lives. Amen. There are those that are dying. There are the lost that needs to be saved. Lord, let me find, lay some soul on my heart and love that soul through me. Let me be a witness on my job in school or wherever I am, a testimony of Jesus Christ. After promised restoration of the word and the power, are we going to be just slumped down again? Choked by unbelief. It was denominational moves that choked the spirit out saying days of miracles are past. It is easy believism that has choked out the true baptism of the Holy Ghost. We have choked out the spirit of God for wisdom. Wisdom versus faith, he said, now the Protestants got choked out. It choked the spirit right out of them. When they began to take wisdom instead of faith in the word, the wisdom in the organization, the organizational wisdom instead of faith in the word. Now, let me just stop here. I want you to look at John Wesley's move. Everybody's heard of the Methodist, right? It was a sanctification move. Now, John Wesley's movement, what the hell was you in the Wesley movement? The Methodist? Yeah. Yeah, all right, here's a man right there from the Methodist church. God delivered him. You know why? You know why he's here? Because he saw the fallacy of it. You know why he isn't an elder in that church and a deacon in there? And well, because they promised him every kind of position. Amen. It's because they had homosexuals in the pulpit. Come on. Amen. Isn't it good to know, hey, you may meet the next Brother L that is out there in a system somewhere that is just longing to hear the truth. Who's going to meet the next Brother L and Sister Felicia? Amen. And and who's going to be the next one? Amen. They're hungry souls that are out there just like them. Glory to God. Now, but let me just say, you see what happened? John Wesley's move started out as the shouting Methodists. They had a move of God, and, and as the word was preached, they would fall out under the Spirit, and their lives would be changed. They would actually fall out. They, they would... They would go get water and and throw it in their faces there to wake them up again because they'd get so overcome with the Spirit. Huh. You can't even find the breath of the Spirit there anymore. Amen. It got choked out many years ago by modernism, by formalism, by lifeless programs. Hello. Let me just read you what a, a study that I just did recently, and I only did it on the Methodist Church because it was the last move in the sixth age. But Methodism was transformed from a religion of poor people to one of middle-class respectability. So you know, they were transformed from 
these poor people who shouted, rejoice, have the spirit moving among them, live sanctified. Are you with me? Amen. They, 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 um, you know, the, the enthusiastic groups that was in that holiness movement fell away, broke away. Changes began in the leadership. As the elder was redesignated as district superintendent, no longer was the elder supposed to be an inspirational leader, but now he was the business and administrative officer. Think of that. It didn't require him to be spiritual. It required him at being good at money and programs and building up a church. Attracted members. Come on. Amen. And it transformed them from poor people to striving to be more, a little bit more uppity. The transformation of Methodism in the 19th century from a religion of the unwashed and uneducated to a denomination of respectability owed much to the denomination's embrace of education. Methodists by the mid-19th century had established more colleges than all but one other denomination. Belief in the effectiveness of Christian education for children also contributed to the prominence of education in Methodism. The poor farmers who compromised early Methodism modernized themselves, moved to town, used the moral standards and interpersonal skills and they learned that they learned in church to make themselves middle class. As Methodism sought towards social respectability in the 19th century, churches replaced the primitive emotionalism of camp meeting conversions with a more genteel intellectual process that led incrementally to conversion. In other words, you grow into token life. You involve into being a Christian. We're going to teach you how to become good. And that took the place of the primitive emotionalism of church me a camp meeting conversions. Oh, I'll tell you what, give me the old camp meeting conversions. Give me the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Not some intellectual, con, you know, a concept where we kind of teach people how to be good and, and nice and good citizens and higher class and, and everything else. No, that's not what we want. We want genuine new birth changes in their lives. Children's literature published by the Sunday School Union taught the more respectable process of conversion. The Methodists were moving away from revivals and toward the notion of Christian nurture that showed that children were the future. <laughs> so we have how to get along in marriage classes and financial classes, and this becomes what we need instead of an old-fashioned altar. And we go to educating the people 
into conversion, how to be successful and a good person. And this took away the spirit and the experience with God. No more of this shouting Methodist. When they become so overcome with the spirit until they would pass out quaking under the presence of God, they were taught the more respectable conversion. This led the Methodist church today down the path of worldliness until 2020, this year. The LGBT movement took over the leadership of the Methodist church. This is where it leads. When we get away from the supernatural, when we go toward the intellectual conception, when we go into training, come on, rather than conversion. When we go, hey, even when we go to, to cater to what the young people are doing and they're, you know what the young people want to dress like and, and whatever, and we can't say anything about holiness and things anymore because we're catering to the young people. We don't want to scare them all. I'll tell you what, I want to scare hell out of them. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to scare the devil out of them. I want to see the Holy Ghost fall and Satan cast out and their lives change and not conform to me, but conform to the word of God. I woke you up on that one. Listen, Brother Bradham said in a deceived church by the world, every one of us, everyone tries to think he's a little smarter than the other man. Each denomination, Methodists say, we got the smartest man. The Baptists say, will say in the church of Christ and so forth, we're the smartest. Our people just don't let, the, don't let the ordinary man go out and preach the gospel. But they handpick them. Oh, God have mercy. Handpick them until they're indoctrinated with a certain doctrine that they put them in the church. And God can't touch him in no way. I want somebody to preach to me that's been handpicked by the Holy Ghost. God is raised up, not picked by man or denominations. Amen. All knowledge is, oh, we know all about it. And someone don't know the first alphabet of the Holy Spirit, they deny it. Amen. I tell you what, church, the further we go along, the more that you're going to see unanointed preachers. Amen. Men who are not truly called of God but are placed in there for, for whatever reason. Amen. We've already seen too many that mother called or daddy called or somebody else called instead of God called. But you get a God called man, he answers to God. Amen. He'll preach the word of God. He'll preach holiness. He'll preach the power of God. Come on. Amen, because he's called of God. He wasn't sent by man. Amen. Amen. You see, changes began in the leadership as the elder was redesignated as district superintendent. Sounds a little better, don't it? No longer was the elder to be an inspirational leader, but now he's a business and administrative officer. Deceived church by the world. Brother Branham said, this reminds me of a little book. And he tells a story of a little book that he'd read. And he repeats the story. And he says, 
He said there that one, one day in a great chicken pen, there was a certain little rooster that thought he had all the knowledge to be known. He flies up on a box, you know, and pecks on it with his bill four or five times and, and throws his little head back and forth and crowed like you never heard a rooster crow. And he finally attracted the other's attentions and said, Ladies and gentlemen of this chicken pen, I'd like to speak to you all this morning on some great educational program we have just designed. I've acquired a a lot of knowledge in my study, and he pulls his glasses over his bill, and and he says, "I've, I've decided that we chickens can better ourselves by knowledge, by more knowledge. Therefore, I tell you, if we can just dig and work in a certain pen or hole, we'll find a certain vitamin that'll make us crow better and prettier feathers. And I'll tell you how we can embedder ourselves in many ways. And the little pullets with their little red cones just cackled and said, oh, but isn't he a darling? And they admired him. Oh, isn't he a brilliant little rooster? He said, it reminds me of seminary preachers. Such a brilliant man. There's no need of us hanging around with the rest of the chickens. We ought to go with him. Well, before this little fellow got through with his speech, there was another chicken that didn't have bright feathers. And he come running up from the rest of the chicken yard. He said, boys, just a minute. I just heard the latest bulletin on the radio that chickens just went up four cents a pound and we're all going to slaughter tomorrow. So what good's your knowledge going to do you? And he said, brother, all the world, that, the, the knowledge we can accumulate, what good does it do? We're six foot of dirt. We're all dying by inches and minutes. Our knowledge means nothing. We want to know him. Amen. And again, he said, he said, again, he told of another story of a little canary bird. And this little canary bird, he was really struck on himself and was such self-importance, you know. Thought he had all the knowledge that he would ever need to, to know. He could tell all the rest of the canary birds all about the human being. And he flies up on his cage and begins to, to, to speak about the human being, all that he knew about them. And all of a sudden, here walks up a, a professor from a big college somewhere and begins to speak some high-polished words to him. And the little fellow just batted his eyes and turned his head. And he said he had ears. He could hear him. Why? But he didn't know what he was talking about because all he had was a canary brain. He hadn't got a human brain, so he can't think like a human. And neither can a human being think like God. You're human, and all the world and knowledge is no more than a canary brain. And all that you do, you just hurt yourself with it. You've got to have the mind of Christ. And that's the reason he said people join organizations, substitute a handshake. Today they substitute, I believe the message, and I believe God's in a prophet, or I've got a tape library. 
and the tape is my token, and that's my Holy Ghost. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm going to build a tape home. You know what it is? They don't know what the new birth is. They have bypassed the new birth. They, they, we, amen. So they want to substitute for it. And they're educating the children and brainwashing them into thinking if you believe a prophet, you're going to be saved. You better know Jesus. Amen. Amen. He said the Pentecostal people are just as bad trying to substitute something. They try to substitute speaking in tongues. Right? Amen. The others, they want it in class and just be so classy. We'll shake hands, join church, sprinkle their baptized. And he said they're afraid of the new birth. He says, I sometimes believe Brandon Tabernacle's getting, believe, getting afraid of it. And I sometimes believe the whole message move is getting afraid of the new birth. Amen. He said, we, we all know about a birth. I don't care where it is. Whereabouts, it's a mess. A baby's born on a shuck pile, on a hard floor, a pink decorated hospital room. It's a mess anyhow. A birth, a calf, a, a birth of anything is a mess. And the new birth is nothing less than a mess. But people go get so starchy. We'll never go over where they, we'll, we'll go over where they shake hands. We'll, we'll go over where they don't bawl and cry and beat on the altar and cry out. You know, this very same thing happened here some time ago in a, in a youth convention. Where, where they just had some teacher give some intellectual talk, never had an altar call, never had a move of God, never had a crime, there was never a dying out to sin, and kids sitting there in on pornography, dabbling in drugs, insects, needing Jesus. And just tell them, you know, how, you know, we're going to just uh, accept the message and grow into Christ. And we'll just go around and, you know, you're, you're in. All you just need to do is just grow and mature a little more. Some intellectual knowledge. And somebody had the gall to say afterwards, well, wow, I like these kind of services where there ain't no altar call and ain't nobody crying and snotting and, and everything else and crying out to God. And I say you're a bunch of backslidden church members that don't know the power of the Holy Ghost. You need the supernatural. And the supernatural doesn't come by fancy teaching and intellectual knowledge. Even if you're preaching quotes, it doesn't come that way. It comes by the power of God that changes the life. The new birth, he said, is no less than a mess. But people get so starchy. We go over where they shake hands and, we, and we'll go over where they don't bawl and cry and beat on the altar and cry out. You want to be too human. I'm talking to your prophet saying this. We, what we need is a birth, dying out to bring forth life. An old a seed, an old potato, a seed potato, you take that potato, put it in the ground, you can, until you can have new potato, the old potato's got to rot. A corn can't produce new life until it's rotten, right? And a man or woman can never have a birth, a new birth, until they, their intellectuals and their own self is rotted, dead, down at the altar, scream, and get all messed up to a place the scar starts, gets out of your collar. Amen. I'll tell you what, it's time that some starch gets out of our collars. 
Amen. That we become a channel that the Holy Ghost can move through. Amen. Where the Spirit of God can flow in the church. And we create an atmosphere where healings take place, where deliverance take place, where the Holy Ghost moves. Amen. And you're born again by the Spirit of God. I don't care if you squall, speak in tongues, jump up and down, flop like a chicken with his head off. You're bringing forth new life. But we substituted something for it. We want it the classical way. And look at the Methodists. They wanted it the classical way. They wanted to get to where it was not a, an old camp meeting revival experience. Hey, I'll tell you what, I want a church to be. I want it to be a, a church that's on fire for God. A people who know their God. A people who the Spirit of God can move them up and sweep across the congregation. Brother Branham said, oh yeah, he said they're pregnant, they're expecting something, but she, because she's bringing forth members, but she don't want none of these screaming, hollering, us blabbering Acts 238 youngins. Oh no, miserable creatures. You know why they do that? Because just like any baby, when life comes in, that first breath comes in, they scream out. Brother Branham always told us if they don't scream out, then the doctor gives them a little spanking. He said he picks them up and puts a little, he called it protoplasma stimulation. I don't know what that means exactly, except a spank on the bottom. But you get that baby to breathe it. Make him mad enough to cry. Amen. Do whatever you got to do to get that baby breathing. Come on. Amen. That's what the preacher's got to do a lot of times. He's got to make them mad enough to say, I want Jesus in my life. I'm tired of sin. I'm tired of the way I've been. I'm tired of complacency. I'm tired of being lukewarm. I want the power of God in my life. Oh, Brother Tim, I want to be pregnated with the words, you know, the word birth, the word experience, and the word. You know, it, we, you know it's, it's not all this emotional stuff. And Brother Brandon said, she don't want to be pregnated with the word because that's the only kind the word can bring forth. So I wonder what we're calling the word. Some type of, ho- he says, you, you said born of the Spirit. It has the Spirit of God in it. No intellectual church joint, creed going, bobbed hair, painted face. No such of that in it at all. You don't find that in the Word of God. You find what the Methodists didn't want. An old-fashioned, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled child, born of the Spirit of God, screaming, hollering, shouting, praising God. That's what you'll find where the word is preached. Amen. But they're so pregnated with Satan's knowledge until that they have accepted the intellectual conception. Amen. Know no more about God than nothing. Their wisdom has strangled the Holy Spirit away from them. Now, Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made of himself of no reputation. 
And he humbled himself. Even to the death of the cross. Now God in return is looking for a people who's not trying to make a reputation. Who's not trying to be somebody. But they don't think it's robbery to be bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And a joint heir with him. And they're willing to lay down their intellect. Even to the death of the cross. Even to death to self. To let the word of God be supreme. God wants to tell you. You know. We're told all the time. We're human. We're human. Exalt that human. You know, hey, you know, be good to yourself. Um, you know, this is what the world says. The church says, you can't overcome. You're human. You're human. You're human. And God's trying to tell you, you're not human. You're a son of God by the new birth. God's trying to let you know that there is an overcoming power. That if you will clean out the channel, the Holy Spirit can flow through you and you can overcome sin. And sin will be as dead as midnight. God's trying to tell you again that you can be a son of God and the power of God can flow through you. That you can be a channel through whom he can work through. Brother Branham would tell us over and over again, he said, he he would tell us, he said, that we're sons of God and deity dwells in the man. And he said, this may choke you, but deity dwells in you. Well, I'll tell you, we need to start believing that till he don't strangle us no more. Till we realize it can flow out. It's to who we are. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And I'm tired of letting the devil put a, put a foot or a knee on my throat and keeping the breath out of my life. But I want the Holy Ghost in this church. Take your stinking knee off. Free this bride. Let her breathe. Let her rise up in power in the glory of God and a people know their God. And do exploits. Let's stand together. Maybe in the next service I can come and tell you what this bride is supposed to be like. What God has designed her to be. Because she's to be in his image and in his likeness. Are you ready to surrender your life to God? Amen. Let's sing that song, A-flat. Let's see it. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. If you don't like that key, put it in the one. Maybe. What is that? A-flat. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. would say I need that supernatural in my life oh bless me now my Savior 
I come to Thee. Raise your hands to Him now. I need, oh, I need. Bring it to Him now, every hour. Every hour. I need. The world's getting dark and darker, but I need You, Jesus. Oh, bless. morning with all your heart. Say it, Lord. I need you. I need you. Sing it to him now with all your heart. I mean, say, I, I need a fresh anointing. I need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. I need a fresh touch with the supernatural. I need a charge of the Holy Ghost. Bless me now. Time to sing it to you.
mine, oh Lord, I have heard thy voice and told thy worship the Lord together. This little sister calls out to the Lord. The Bible said if we call on the name of the Lord we shall be saved. Amen. No man can come to me except the Father draw him. Let the Holy Spirit now just move. You sister just gather around. Just make one universal prayer right now in the name of Jesus. Let's just talk to the Lord. Oh consecrate me now to thy service. Lord, by the power of grace divine, and let my soul look with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thy. Until I cross that net. 